Awaken Beauties, finally, it's here. The truth to empower women to true inner beauty through a healthy mind and inner biology. I am your hostess, Cassandra Keel, a 20-year salon owner, organic beauty product formulator, positive mind management, and clinical hypnotherapist. And I am here to help you stay sane, get sleep, and bring your sexy back. Sponsored by evokebeauty.com. EVOQBeauty.com. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to the Awaken Beauty Podcast. This is Cassandra, your organic beauty, positive mind management, and clinical hypnotherapist. And today we're going to be talking about environmental toxicity, environmental toxins, the role of heavy metals, and how it relates to ADHD. Now, within the last few years, we've had a four-time increase in adults being diagnosed with ADHD than we have children. And what is this telling us now as a ADHD coach and someone that really works with the subconscious mind, as well as someone that formulates and works within the organic industry, there's a whole slew of environmental factors. We have generational factors based on what's get passed down from our family and trauma. And we also have this aspect of how do we test and is it accurate testing, meaning ADHD test, which is the DCM5. And also, how do we test for neurotransmitters and toxicity? Now, one of my mentors, James Greenblatt, who is an MD, has taken a absolutely strong stance on looking at ADHD through a functional medicine lens, which is really where my heart is. And so really getting to the root and looking at all the different lifestyle factors of any individual. So the fact that four times more individuals are being diagnosed with ADHD today than children points to executive function, meaning the information overwhelm, cognitive overload, our brains being inflamed for a long period of time. So our executive function breaks down. And so today, what I want to open up is really looking at the hard set research and really looking at the different layers of heavy metals and toxicity and how it truly impacts the brain and that being ADHD. So please listen up and please share with any friends or family or individuals that uh, have ADHD or just want to dig into more of the validated science. Now, we know that every day we are exposed to toxins from our environment and we may ingest lead and copper from our drinking water, phosphate from processed foods and soda and various other synthetic chemicals from plastic food containers, pesticides from our fruits and our vegetables. And so within that first paragraph lays out the framework for all the different toxicants that we're going to look at today. Now, both natural heavy metals and man-made chemicals disrupt our hormones, and they also disrupt our neurotransmitters and our brain development. Now, the brain, especially the developing brain, is very, very vulnerable. 
to contaminants because of its large size. And the brain has a very, very high concentration of fats, which is to serve and basically hold this reservoir of toxicants and buildup. So it doesn't cross over that blood brain barrier. Now, this episode is going to explain in depth the role of heavy metals and the environmental toxins and how that plays in with brain and neurodevelopment. Now, in 2016, there was a declared state of emergency in Flint, Michigan. You may remember this, where thousands of residents were exposed to high levels of lead in their drinking water. Now, this corrosive water from the Flint River caused lead from the old water pipes to leach into the water supply, and it put over 12,000 children at risk of consuming dangerously high levels of lead. Now, lead poisoning can cause irreversible brain damage. It's very toxic, and quite frankly, it can even result in death. And so growing children are especially susceptible to poisonous effects of heavy metals. Now, even a very low blood level reduces the IQ and the ability to pay attention, your motor function, and yes, your academic achievement. So since lead poisoning causes cognitive, motor, and behavioral issues, it's not surprising that it can also be a ADHD, uh, you know, I wouldn't really necessarily say that it may be the cause, but it's certainly going to exasperate it. Now, it can also lead to symptoms that look like ADHD. So the science shares that lead exposure is estimated to account for over 290,000 excess cases of ADHD in U.S. children. And this was done back in 2006. And a study of a mother, uh, she did uh, a study of over 270 mother and child pairs in Belgium. And they found that doubling prenatal lead exposure was associated with more than three times a higher risk for hyperactivity in boys and girls between the age of seven and eight. And an even larger study on our soil here in 5,000 U.S. children aged four to 15 found children with the highest blood levels were over four times as likely to have ADHD as a child with the lowest blood levels, even with a lead within it, seven times, right? So if we look at MRI scans from participants of the Cincinnati lead study, they had really, really striking results and that these children with lead exposure were associated with brain volume loss as well as adults. And it also includes individuals with higher blood lead levels as children had less gray matter in the brain areas. So the brain region affected was the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for executive function, which is the mainstay of ADHD. It's a executive function disorder. It also impacts behavioral regulation and fine motor control. Now, moving on to the next heavy metal, which is copper. Now, I'm going to say this. Copper is absolutely an essential trace mineral, and we must consume from our food supply. And it's found in a lot of fatty acids, such as sea, fish, shellfish, oysters, 
whole grains, beans, nuts, and potatoes. And like lead, copper can leach into our water supply as well. And copper pipes erode. And so I know this very well because I can smell it inherently on my client's hair, whether it's serving at the salon. Um, I used to do a lot of different mineral tests through um, hair levels to be able to see the different copper and lead and different contaminants that are found in the hair. And so one of copper's roles in the body is to really help produce dopamine. And the neurotransmitter that provides alertness is what we have being um, assaulted with high copper, which can come from pipes corroding or within our diet and contaminants. So too much copper creates that excess of dopamine. So while we've got one role of copper's role in the body to help produce dopamine, the neurotransmitter that provides alertness, we also have too much copper that creates excessive dopamine leading to excessive neurotransmitter nor epinephrine. Now, high levels of these two transmitters lead to symptoms also similar to ADHD, meaning hyperactivity, impulsivity, agitation, irritability, and aggressiveness. So in children with excess copper, stimulant medications don't work as well, and they tend to cause side effects. Two, even more agitation, anxiousness, even a change in their sleep and their appetite. Because again, we're bringing that excitatory load of the dopamine. And most ADHD medications work, again, by increasing those levels of dopamine. So it intensifies that effect of excessive copper. Now, in addition, excess copper blocks the production of serotonin. Uh uh uh. That's right, our happy mood balancing neurotransmitter. So not only are you increasing the irritability and just the mania in the brain, but you're also then turning off the balancing happy neurotransmitters. So this triggers this emotional and mental behavioral problems from depression to anxiety, to paranoia, to psychosis and OCD. So the neurotoxic effects of excess copper are well-known and very, very few studies have assessed the copper's role in ADHD symptoms. So when we looked at the research and when we compare the levels of 58 ADHD children to the levels in 50 controlled children, they observed that these copper levels were higher in ADHD children, again, to prove the science. And the ADHD children also had a higher copper to zinc ratio that positively correlated with the teacher rated, which we know as inattention. So we're going to move on. And now we're going to move into phosphate. Now, phosphate is a charged particle. Think of it like an electrolyte, right? But it contains phosphorus. And as a woman, as a midlife woman, I know I try to get a lot of phosphorus. Uh, to fight back any kind of bone degradation. Now, phosphorus is the second most abundant mineral in the body next to calcium. Now, phosphorus is also a building block for, yes, our bones, and 85% of our total body phosphorus is found within our bone. So these deficiencies are rare because phosphorus is naturally abundant in protein foods and poultry and fish and eggs and, of course, milk products. But 
phosphorus is an essential nutrient and too much of this can also be problematic. So the phosphate content of processed foods is much higher than natural foods. And because phosphates are commonly used as an additive and a preservative in food production, we get an excess of it. So this daily intake of phosphate in food additives has more than doubled since 1990s. And this test and this research was done back in 2012. Can you imagine where it's at now? So phosphorus, especially the form found in processed meats and canned fish, baked goods, soda pop, quickly absorbs into the bloodstream so levels can rise rapidly, and then it reduces the absorption of all the other vital minerals, many of which ADHD children are already deficient in to begin with. So for instance, too much phosphorus can lower those calcium levels and that high phosphorus coupled with low calcium intake leads to more bone health. So we're starting to see now even more comorbidities with health issues. And we already know that those with ADHD have a shortened lifespan of 12, up to 12 years. So if we look at the typical American diet, that contains two to four times more phosphorus than calcium. It often is a major contributor to this imbalance. And in the body, that phosphorus and magnesium binds together, making both minerals unavailable for absorption. So the most apparent when that magnesium consumption is low and intake of phosphorus is high. And there have been many research done around magnesium excretion and is decreased from the high amount of phosphate in our blood. And magnesium is especially helpful for those with ADHD, neurological disorders, and also to calm the nervous system. It's also a cofactor for over 300 transactions in the body. So we need that essential mineral. Now, another study, and I found this very, very interesting, came from a German pharmacist, and her name is Hertha, and she discovered that an excess dietary phosphate triggered her son's ADHD symptoms intuitively, and she wrote a book, and it's called The Hidden Drug, Dietary Phosphate, The Cause of Behavior Problems, Learning Difficulties, and Juvenile Delinquency, and she presents in this research that low phosphate diet as a treatment for actually individuals with ADHD. And she found that this low phosphate diet led to dramatic improvements in her son's behavior, his well-being, and his school performance. So her family's ADHD problem was resolved and tethered by her son who no longer had problems as long as he avoided those high phosphate foods. Now, she also found that children with mild ADHD can improve simply by just removing these processed meats and all of the phosphate-containing beverages like pop and sports drinks from their diets. So I thought that was pretty interesting and how this continues to be repetitive around the world in these different research studies. No, it doesn't, I'm not proclaiming that people don't have ADHD because 
I have ADHD and it's a real thing, but we can really see how our pathways our genetics and epigenetics turns on and turns off as well as how important our diet is. I'm going to latch into one last research study, which I find is also very interesting around plastics and everyday plastic products containing hormone disrupting chemicals, such as bisphenol A, which is known as BPA and phthalates. And I know this chemical very well because it is in a platitude of beauty products, which blocks all types of problems, such as fertility, increase in cancer and more. Now, what they found is that it can migrate into our body and affect the brain and our nervous system. So this environmental toxin binds again to our zinc and depletes our zinc levels in the body. So the phthalates are basically synthetic chemicals used to make plastics soft. If it's used in a beauty product, it's to make sure that the gel can flex or the hairspray can move. And so these phthalates are used in hundreds of consumer products and we use them every day. They're in our air, our water, and our food. And so these links back to phthalates with ADHD is very, very apparent when they did urine phthalate concentrations with individuals that had ADHD symptoms. Now the ADHD symptoms, both inattentive and hyperactive and impulsive rated by the children's teachers when they did these research studies were significantly associated with phthalate metabolites. And so these prenatal phthalate exposure in the mother's womb is associated also with problems with children with behavioral and executive function issues. So that third trimester they tested with urine from 188 pregnant women, and they collected the urine and analyzed it for the phthalate metabolites. And their children were assessed for cognitive and behavioral development between the ages of four and nine. And these metabolites were associated with worse aggression conduct problems, attention problems, depression, and other emotional control issues. So put that into addition to the heavy metals, the plasticizers, the pesticides can all increase and cause ADHD symptoms. And all the way from the top of the American Academy of Pediatrics, they note that children that encounter pesticides in their diet, in their environment, is the most influential source linking to ADHD. And these studies linked early life exposure to the organophosphate, the intesticides, and the reduction in their IQ and abnormal behavior associated with both autism and ADHD. Now, among pesticides, we have the intesticides may be the most harmful to humans because intesticides were the first developed in World War II as nerve gas. So what this does is it actually destroys the enzymatic pathways, the enzyme that controls the neurotransmitter acetylcholine, which plays a huge role in our attention in learning and short and long-term memory and our alertness. Now, even organophosphates exposure at low levels common among U.S. children may contribute to an increase in ADHD. And this and the last research study 
was done at Harvard University that studied more than 1,000 children ages 8 to 15 in the general population and found that those with detectable urinary levels of organophosphate metabolites in their urine were nearly twice as likely to be diagnosed with ADHD. So this is just a pool of evidence and a pool of research that we often dismiss when we are in the stress of trying to diagnose a child or trying to diagnose ourselves and how much power we really true do have using our agency of choice and looking at the big picture. Now, for my clients, I always recommend doing neurotransmitter testing. I also recommend, because I work with a lot of women, hormone testing, so that we can really figure out if they're metabolites and how we're detoxing. And we have a 2, a 4, and a 16-hydroxy pathway. And when we move into that 4 and that 16-hydroxy pathway, and we have a clogged system, all of these different pieces are going to be held in the body, in a lipid body, into our fat. And it affects our neurological abilities and it also degrades our health. And so really, I wanted to share this today to really start to open up the conversation. And there's going to be more to come around how does our environment, how do epigenetics, and how can we look at ADHD, autism, neurodiversity, and quite frankly, I mean, there's just a, you know, a whole spectrum of neurodivergent um, individuals, especially those that are entrepreneurs, most of them have ADHD and whether it's masked or not, we can really come down to the environmental health perspective, look at the neurobehavioral function and the levels of exposure that we currently have in our body and what we uh, are surrounded by in our everyday environment. So with that said, if you need any support or want any support in being able to order a neurotransmitter test or curious about what supplements are best for you, uh, that is my jam. I would love to help you any further that I possibly can. And uh, let me know what you think of the episode. More to come. And I hope you enjoyed it. All my love and all my light. And until next time, stay sane, get sleep, and always bring your sexy back. Well, hello, Awaken Beauty. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Were you inspired? please leave a comment or your own personal aha moment so others can capture exactly what you did. Also, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you're interested in high quality natural products for your hair, skin, and wellness, including organic CBD, please visit evokebeauty.com. Again, that is evokebeauty.com, evokebeauty.com. And until next time, darling, stay sane, get sleep and bring your sexy back.